John chapter 3. Will you turn there? John chapter 3, and I want you to find the very last verse of that chapter. John chapter 3, the last verse. The transition verse to lead us into John chapter 4. You know, one of the things that uh, Americans do uh, to get a fresh start, uh, we buy stuff. Does anybody know how many pounds a year the average American adds in their house of just stuff? Does anybody want to take a guess? How many of you think the average American adds more than 500 pounds a year to the house? Okay. Family, would you say they add a thousand pounds to their house a year of stuff. Did you know the average American family adds 1,000 pounds of new stuff in their house every year? You don't believe it, just move and you will know that you've done it. When we moved here, the Estimators came in our house and they estimated, and they had to go to my office with all my books, and they estimated how much stuff that we had, and uh, they quite frankly just didn't get their estimate right. They, they started, and they said, we'll fill up about three-fourths of an 18-wheeler is what they thought. Well, then when we got to the three-fourths mark, because they were going to move another one-bedroom house on that 18-wheeler besides us, coming to Florida, uh, then all of a sudden, uh, we, we filled up the entire truck, and then they had these things called on extenders where they can extend the truck so many feet and forth. Well, they put all the extenders out, and then our garage was still full of stuff. So about three weeks later, they had to send a second truck to send the rest of our stuff down. But my I ask you a question, why do we have all of this stuff? Forbes magazine's got an article that says, the reason why we have all of this stuff, we think that we really can find security in stuff. We think, man, if we got a lot of stuff, that we're secure. Does anybody live with a pat? Throw anything, keep everything. You can't throw anything around. You got to have it all. If I have all of it, well, sometimes we think, you know what? If I have all of this stuff, I can get a fresh start. I need all this stuff because some people say, you know what? I need all this stuff because it's, it's who I stuff. Well, not only we get our identity in this stuff. Well, not only do we think easy about our stuff. Does anybody want to get so crazy about our stuff? Does anybody want to are paying for extra storage space somewhere? Are paying for extra storage? Does anybody want to guess how much Americans across the board spend just so we can? We don't have enough room in our house. As a matter of fact, 
over these last years, the average house in America has increased by 1,000 square feet because we think we got to have more stuff, and more stuff brings security, more stuff brings identity, more stuff brings a, a fresh start. Can I tell you, that new car will not give you a fresh start in life. That new couch, that new thing, it, it won't give you a, a fresh start, but we think it is, so we got to keep everything. Did you know in America, this year we'll spend $24 billion on storage units to store our stuff? 24, how many? Billion dollars on storing stuff. It doesn't take very long in our community to travel, and you see storage units everywhere. As a matter of fact, they're just building them everywhere because we like our what? Mm. Stuff will not give you a fresh start. The only thing... Stuff does is make the average American $15,970 in debt on a credit card. We need a fresh start. I want you to circle a word. How do we get a fresh start? Here's the thing for the whole month as we're looking at fresh start. A fresh start doesn't come through stuff. A fresh start happens when you are replaced with him. A fresh start only happens when you are replaced with him. Let's read John chapter 3, verse 36. He who, and what's the next word? Will you mark that word believes in your Bible? As a matter of fact, we know this is John, the Apostle John writing this. This is the last of the four Gospels being written. We know that it's kind of like as John is writing his Gospel, it's kind of like he's got the book of Matthew, he's got the book of Mark, he's got the book of Luke sitting in front of him as he's writing this because he's writing it so many years after the fact. But you're going to see a theme throughout the book of John is this word, believe. Right next to that word, believe, circle it, mark it, and write down the number 99. 99 different times in the gospel of John, John tells us that we need to believe. A fresh start only happens when you are replaced with him, and you are only replaced with him because you believe. But there's a lot of people throughout the book of John that are struggling with belief and believing. I mean, they have blind spots. They have other things that are getting in the way of them believing. That's why John just keeps coming back 99 times that we must believe. So let's look at this verse again. He who believes in the Son... Then now that in your Bible, I want you to mark or underline, put a box around it in your Bible there. He who believes in the has, next word, it's what? Has. I'm, the word is not will. You don't, word is has, the word is not will. You don't see W-I, what's our next word there? Has, son, 
What's our next word there? Has. Have you believed in Jesus? Let not. Have you believed in Jesus? Father's house. Our many mansions were not so. I would have told you. Our many mansions will prepare a place for you. I will come again. And Thomas said, but Lord, how shall we know the way you're going and where are you going? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the what? Life. So if we believe, if we are replaced with him, we believe, what does it tell us according to John chapter 3, verse 36? He who believes in the Son, what? Has what? Everlasting life. So the moment as a five-year-old boy, when I was five years of age, when I trusted Jesus Christ, the moment that I trusted Jesus Christ in my belief, at that moment, it wasn't that Eric Charles Titz will have everlasting life with Jesus Christ. I have everlasting life with Jesus Christ because I have believed. So have you believed? So what do you have with Jesus? Everlasting life. All right, let's go on to this. He who does not believe the Son shall not see what? Light. For a person that does not believe in Jesus, can they ever truly get a fresh start? No. But I want you to know, please get this. God is a God that gives a fresh start. How do we know that? We can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, we see that Adam and Eve, we know that they were, Eve was deceived, Adam sinned. We know that all of a sudden they sinned and they looked at each other and they realized walking through. Adam and Eve, what did they do? They what? Hid themselves. They're hiding. And they said, well, because we're naked. And God said, how in the world did you even know you're naked? You really shouldn't know that you're naked. Hey, because they ate up the tree. But whoa, whoa, wait a minute. They ate of the tree, but then Jesus, then God did something. An animal had to die, and because an animal died, they got covered and they got another start by God's grace. It was one animal for a person. How much does God believe in a fresh start? Let's fast forward a little bit. The Exodus chapter 1. We know they forgot about Joseph when they thought about Joseph and the people multiplied so fast that they put such slavery on God's people, we know. Exodus 1, then all of a sudden God talked to Moses and brought Moses to lead the people. We know that God sent the ten plagues, and you get to the ten and final plagues, and it's the firstborn to be dead. What did they have to do above their doorpost? They had to kill a lamb, and they had to put the lamb of the blood over the doorpost. And when the death angel came by, and the death angel came by, and the death angel supplied to the doorpost, what happened in that home? The death angel went what? Past fire. Past, we passed over because one lamb was slain, 
and covered in what did it do? It took one. Review this real quick. In Genesis, what did it do? It took one animal to cover one lamb, and that one lamb covered an entire two. It took one lamb, and that one lamb covered an entire family. Star, can I tell you, the lamb of God to get us a fresh star? Can I tell you, the lamb of God, Jesus, and the lamb of God stretched out his arm, and it was Jesus, and the lamb of God stretched out his family. Jesus wants all of us to get a fresh star, and Jesus Christ, the Son wants all of us to get a fresh start, died for the entire world so that you might have a fresh start. In order to get a fresh start, we have to what? Does this scripture in John chapter 3, verse 36, we've got to what? Believe. All right. If you say, I do not believe, what does the text say? Every word matters in the text. And the text of scripture says, if we do not believe... If we do not believe, if we do not believe, then what? You shall not see what? If you do not believe, you're never going to get a fresh start. All you're going to do is stay bound to your past. How do we see this? Look at John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Who is the guy's name that Jesus encounters in John chapter 3? His name is who? Nicodemus. Write these couple things down about Nicodemus. Is Nicodemus a man or a lady? He's a man. Okay, what else about Nicodemus? Write these couple things down somewhere. This is very important to understand this text of Scripture between John 3 and John chapter 4. Nicodemus, here he's his man, number one. Number two, he is a religious leader. He is a strong religious leader. I mean, I mean, he would follow the law. He kept the law. He did all of that. Third thing that we know about Nicodemus, he was extremely important. tells us that Nicodemus is the one that designed the water system for all of Jerusalem. So he was extremely a wealthy man. And the, the fourth thing you know about Nicodemus, everybody knew Nicodemus. I mean, when Nicodemus walked in the room, you knew who he was. So he's a man, he's religious, he's good, he's rich. I mean, everybody knows him, he's accomplished a lot. But Jesus Christ tells Nicodemus, if you are not born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. That is John chapter 3. All about Nicodemus. Go to John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, we have somebody. It's not a man, but it is a what? It is a lady. Let's talk about this lady, the lady that you meet in John chapter 4. She is, is she rich or is she poor? She, she's very poor. All right? Next thing. So she's a lady. She's poor. Let's put the next thing about it is this lady at the woman in the well, did she have the greatest moral standards? I mean, was she setting the moral mark of the day? Would everybody say, watch the woman at the well and whatever morally she does, we need to do. Was she a very moral lady? Yes or no? No, we know that she's not a moral lady at all. We know that she had five husbands, and then she's living with somebody else. She was male dependent. She had a lot of issues in her life. So hold on. Let's look at this thing. She's a, a lady. She's poor. She is morally completely bankrupt in life. So let me ask you this about the woman at the well. Did everybody respect the woman at the well? Was she respected? 
No, she was not respected at all. She lived in isolation. She was a complete outcast. She was not at the top of the food chain. She's at the bottom of the food chain. John chapter 4. Wait a minute. Let's look at ruler 3. We got Nicodemus, rich, respected ruler. I mean, he followed the law. And what did Jesus Oh, wait. Till you're born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. Oh, wait just a moment. Don't ever get. But you know what I know? But you know what I know? We look a whole lot more. We look Nicodemus in John chapter 3. There's also in John chapter 3. No matter how bad you are, No matter what you feel like you're chained to, Jesus can set you free. It doesn't matter if you're a Nicodemus, you're respected, you have all of that, or you feel like you're the woman at the well, rejected, isolated, no hope. Can I tell you? Please. Stop dragging this around and be set for Jesus. Let me show you about the woman at the Let's go to John chapter 4 and let's begin in verse number 4. I want you to write down just two major things I want you to catch and write these two things down. Number one, get this, this is very important. Jesus is very purposeful. Jesus is very purposeful in meeting the woman at the well. Let's look at John chapter 4, verse 4, and I want you to mark uh, two or three words that you will see in John chapter 4, verse 4, with the woman at the well. But he, you'll see he's leaving Judea and all that God's doing, and he is departing there, but verse Four says, but he needed to go through Samaria. Mark those words, needed to. Jesus is being very purposeful, and Jesus is being led by the Spirit of God. And I, I put this, uh, Jesus is purposeful, but this is really a divine appointment of God. Here is Jesus Christ. The disciples are baptizing many. Jesus did not baptize, but the disciples. And all of a sudden, Jesus is going to leave. He's going to go to Galilee. It's, a, it's where God is leading him to go. But then it says that he needed to go somewhere upon that. He needed to go to a location. Look at the end of verse number 4. What is the location as he's going from point A to point B? He had to go somewhere else. And where is that location that he was purposeful that he needed to go? He needed to go to what? Samaria. Let's talk about Samaria real quick. Where the people in Samaria, I mean where they 
high-class, highfalutin people that everybody wanted to be with, yes or no? As a matter of fact, most Jewish people, they would not go into Samaria because they thought, man, if we go into Samaria, there's a good chance I might be killed. Or secondly, if we go into Samaria, man, we're going to be defiled and those half-breeds and what they've done are going to be upon us. So with Samaritans, high about much low class. Low class, they weren't thorough about much at all. I mean, the Samaritans this day journey. Jewish people would go an extra six-day journey in order not to go through Samaria. People that they called half-breeds, imagine hating a group of people that they called half-breeds. Could you imagine extra six days in order to go around that you would travel an extra six days in order to go around it to is going to experience the divine appointment of God. So guess what? Christ is going to experience the divine appointment of God. So guess come an issue about Samaria. Let's go back all the way in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament about Samaria, let's go back all the way in the Old Testament. Two different kingdoms. You have the southern kingdom and you got the northern kingdom. All of a sudden, the northern kingdom, they had all evil kings. I mean, they were just wicked, wicked. And all of a sudden, God sent a punishment upon the people in the north because they were so against God. They shook their fist at God. They did exactly what they wanted to do. So God sent the Assyrians. God used the Assyrians to come and bring judgment to the northern tribe and to the northern tribes. So as they came and brought judgment upon them through Assyria, I mean, they just took the land. Well, when somebody would take a land, they would do two things. Hold on, listen to this. This is very important. When somebody would go and take a land, they would do two things. Number one, they would take a lot of those people and they would carry them back to their land and put them in exile. Why are they doing that? They did not want that group of people that they just conquered to grow and to multiply and to get a lot of power. So they took their people and moved them that they just conquered and put them in exile. Second thing that they would do. Second thing they would do, the country that conquered them, the Assyrians, they would send a lot of their people into the country in order to say, hey, we want you to intermarry. We want you to be a part of this. Why? That really watered down that those people could not come and overtake them. So what are the Samaritans? The Assyrians come and overtake them. The Samaritans are the ones that are a half-breed. They are hated. They are destroyed despised by the Jewish people, but what does Jesus do there? Look what happens at verse number 6, John chapter 4, verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, 12 o'clock noon. If you've ever been in the Middle East, let me tell you, it gets mighty hot, and you don't want to be out at 12 o'clock noon. Verse number 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Number one, Jesus was very purposeful in going to Samaria. Write this second thought down and I'm done. Jesus is very relational. 
I want you to know Jesus is breaking every cultural barrier you could possibly imagine by being in that well. And Jesus Christ is breaking every cultural barrier by talking to a lady. Jesus says very simply to her in verse 7, Give me a drink. But who is this lady? Look at verse 17 and verse 18, that you'll see several different things about the lady. Look what the text says in verse 17 and 18. The woman answered, You have well said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. And the one whom you now had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. You spoke truly. And that you spoke truly. A purposeful relationship telling this lady, with a purposeful relationship telling this lady, give me a drink. Write a couple things down about this lady. Give me a drink. Write a couple things down about voices in her life. Jesus is having a conversation with a person that made a lot of wrong choices in her life. She was male-dependent. The Scripture tells us that she had five husbands. This lady was trying to fill her God-sized hole with everything but Jesus. This lady had made wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong choice. She went from one relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship, and she always saw another man can fix my relationship. No, it was just a problem. I didn't pick the right man. If I get the right man the next time, then it's going to be all right. She had made wrong choice after wrong choice, but Jesus Christ is having a conversation with her. I want everyone to look at me. We have all made a lot of wrong choices in our life. Every one of us sitting in this room have made so many wrong choices, but I've got some good news. Your wrong choices, Jesus Christ still comes and encounters you. I'm telling you, she was... So messed up. That you are more messed up than Jesus can fix. When I think about this lady and the five men and all the sexual encounters that she had, I was reading from J.D. Greer, our president of our Southern Baptist Convention, and he said, and it's, he has so many college kids in his church, and he said, they're realizing the two top reasons that they see uh, college kids drop out of church in college. You ready? The second re the number two reason, the second reason they said is because they say, if God is a God of love, why is there so much pain and bad in the world? And they can't correlate that. But the number one reason why college students drop out of church and they are walking away from what they're growing up in, are you ready for this? Because they want sexual freedom. 
They want sexual freedom to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, with who they want to do it, and it really doesn't matter, they say. Can I tell you, that is a wrong choice. God designed physical intimacy between a husband and a wife, and it is a beautiful act of worship when it's done in a way that honors God. But this lady had done everything wrong. I want you to know, it doesn't matter who you have slept with. It doesn't matter that him will get you have had. Jesus Christ, if you believe in him, will give you a fresh, brand new. couple things about this lady. He'll do it. A right, couple things about this lady. She made wrong choices. She, re- she was all by herself, but trapped. She was isolated. She was all by herself, but Jesus Christ, the Son. Notice what happens in this. Notice what happens in this. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So here's the invitation. You've made wrong choices. You've repeatedly made wrong choices. You're in isolation. Jesus doesn't say, come and get cleaned up, then come to me. Jesus says, come and bring your wrong choices. Come and bring your isolation. Come and bring your stuff. And come and believe in me. And I'll give you life. But you know what sometimes we do as Christ followers? He's given us life. But we go back and think, Oh, if I could just have more stuff. Sometimes as Christ followers, we struggle. Sometimes he's given us life. But we think, but oh no, but it's just another relationship I need to have. Can I tell you? If you're bound a bond servant to anything besides Jesus Christ in just a moment, why don't you come and leave that behind and come to life today? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that Jesus, you're meeting a lady who made all kinds of wrong choices. She repeatedly failed. She was trapped. She was bound. But you give life, real life. 
God, thank you for a, a Nicodemus who is rich and religious and respected. But Jesus, you told him life. If you don't believe in the Son of God, you will have no life. But God, thank you for the promise. 36, he who believes. Thank you for your word in John 3. 36, he who believes in the Son. God, thank you that you give. God, thank you that you give us with you. Right now, us with you. Still in bondage. You're, you're still repeating those things over and over again. Why don't you come and drink of the well of Jesus? Why don't you come and drink of the everlasting love? Come and believe today. Maybe you're a Christ follower, and I want you to know I've been a pastor a long, long time. I would be a fool to think with this many people in this room that there's not some of you Man, you've accepted Christ, but there's some bondage in your life. There's some things that that are still that you're dragging, that you've gone back to. For you, the invitation is this, to come down to this altar and get on these knees, get on your knees and say, Lord God, I believe in you and given life, but I'm in bondage and I need help. One of the first ways of getting help is admitting that that you need help to the Lord and admitting that you're stuck and you're bound to it. Some of you don't want to admit that you're bound, but some of you are bound to that stuff. Some of you are sexually bound. Some of you are bound to your gossip. Some of you are bound to your mouth. Your knees and say, God, I believe in you. And God, give me freedom in this. Help me, Lord. I don't want this to be in my life anymore. It'll be a journey. He gives us the spirit to work through it. So the first thing, if you've never accepted Jesus, won't you come to one of these pastors and come to Jesus? Or maybe you're a Christ follower and you need to be set free from just some stuff in your life. I mean, the moment we start the invitation, why don't you come? He who believes in the Son has life. And he who does not believe in the Son does not have life. So today, come by faith and believe. God, we pray over this time. God, thank you. It's not your heart. It's not your desire that we live bound, but we get to live the fresh water that keeps springing out. God, may we live in that. In Christ's name, amen. Pastors are down front. I'm down front. Let's stand this morning. And why don't you come to Jesus if you're bound? Or maybe today, why don't you come? Christian, just come and.